verses 1 through 3. Thank you so much, Ken, for preparing us to hear God's word by singing about how he will find a way. The, God, the way that God finds a way into our lives is so often through his word, the hearing of his word, that when we listen to God, when we open our minds, open our hearts to the word of God, um, certainly he finds a way into our lives um, in that way. And so um, today we will read about the conclusion of God's creation, and this morning's passage will likely be familiar to um, many of you because it's repeated several times throughout the Bible. It's repeated in the Ten Commandments. It's repeated in um, various parts of the Bible and um, certainly in our Heidelberg Catechism as well. This is the teaching that you'll hear about the Sabbath day. And um, sometimes with familiar passages, I know that it's, it's the case for me at times, we could sort of turn our brain off a little bit in hearing a beautiful passage from the Word of God because we've heard it so many times before. And last night, Around our dinner table, our family read Psalm 23 because we're reading through the Psalms and we're up to number 23. And um, just before we even read it, we had a good talk about how when we hear words that we're so familiar with, that our kids have memorized, sometimes we just go through the words almost without really considering them or receiving them as the great blessing that they are. And so uh, recognizing that that could possibly happen as we read Genesis 2 verses 1 through 3. I want to encourage you to be attentive, to listen closely. We'll pay close attention to these three great verses in um, the opening chapters of God's Word. And when you pay close attention, you're going to find blessing in the Word of God. And so um, let's pray, and then I will read these, this great passage. Let's pray first. Lord, we pray and we ask that you would bless us now in the hearing of your word. Lord, we know that it's not enough just for us to hear it, but you call us to believe your word. And so we pray that, that as we contemplate this great passage this morning, that we would grow in faith, faith in you, faith in Christ. God, we pray that you would open our hearts, that you would open our minds, that we would be receptive to the great blessing of your word today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Genesis 2, verses 1 through 3, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In a stunning example of how much Hollywood has changed over the past several years, the winner for Best Picture at the 1981 Academy Awards was based on this passage. It was a, a dramatic story of obedience to the fourth commandment, of obedience to the teaching of these three verses from Genesis chapter 2. Does anybody know what movie that was that won Best Picture in 1981 about following God's command to follow the Sabbath? Anybody know? Chariots of Fire, right. The great film, British film, 
Chariots of Fire. It's a film about British athletes competing in the 1924 Olympics. It is a fantastic film. The main character is a runner from Scotland named Eric Little. That is the actor, I think his name is Ian Charlson, who is playing Eric Little in the film. And here he is pictured during the famous training scene where the group of young men go running on the beach backed by inspirational music. It's a great, great film. Uh, it's um, sort of set in our memories for a reason. The stirring music that's playing behind this training scene where these young men are getting ready to go run their races in the Olympics. Now the tension of the movie comes when Eric Little, who is one of England's greatest hopes for gold at the Olympics, discovers that his best race, the 100-meter dash, is going to be held on a Sunday. The preliminary heats will be happening on a Sunday. And Little was a devout Scottish Presbyterian which meant that competing on the Lord's Day would, would violate his conscience, his understanding of, of the fourth commandment. And so further events unfold during the course of the movie, and Eric Little is given a spot in the 400-meter race, and it's not his best race. Uh, he would, would likely have won the gold medal in the 100 meters, but he switches his training to, to shift towards the 400-meter and... Um, you know, with, with very little hope of defeating the favorite Americans in that year's Olympics. And just as he's about to run the gold medal heat, he was handed a, a letter, a note from someone to encourage him. And there's a lot about the movie that's fictionalized, but that is actually very accurate for what historically happened for Eric Little, that he was handed a note by someone. Uh, history has shown that it was one of the trainers who was helping him get ready and here's what the note said as he just is about to, to get in the starting blocks for his 400-meter race in the final at the 1924 Olympics. That note said, in the old book it says, he that honors me, I will honor, wishing you the best of success always. 1 Samuel 2, verse 30. So that's what that note said, and, and he didn't know who had given him that note right in that moment, but this encouraged him so greatly because so many people were trying to convince him that he had done the wrong thing and not running the 100-meter dash. But this note showed him someone noticed his obedience to God and was going to encourage that obedience, that, that God would be faithful to his promise, that as Eric had honored the Lord, making a very costly sacrifice, so the Lord would honor him. So it isn't much of a surprise that, of course, he wins the 400-meter gold medal in world record time. And after winning the gold medal for Great Britain, Eric became a missionary to China. He was actually born in China to missionary parents. He was such a fast runner that he was really trained in the United Kingdom to, to run in the Olympics. And then right after that, he went back to China to be a missionary to the Chinese people. He was a strong, great Christian man. And he was eventually martyred in China just a few months before the end of World War II in an internment camp. He died there. And it's believed that he died out of exhaustion because of his devotion to serving the Lord in that camp. And as I thought more about God honoring Eric Little, I realized that it was partly by giving him victory in the 400-meter dash 
that all things are in God's hands and he works all things together for the good of those who love him and that at times includes athletic success. And so even that comes, of course, from God's hand. But the greater honor was that Little's story of integrity and sacrifice would be told to the world. That Eric Little was not just any athlete who won a gold medal, but that he was an athlete who was serving the Lord and whose story the Lord would elevate and then spread throughout the world, even through that great film, Chariots of Fire. So that, that movie is, is a movie about how an athlete gave up a good thing to gain a far greater thing. How an athlete made a sacrifice to, uh, for the Lord so that he would receive something even greater from the Lord. That is God's favor, God's blessing. So that's what God commands for us to do every day, of course, but especially on the Lord's day, that we would give up good things for greater things in the kingdom of God. That God created a day on which we are called to rest, even like God did. God created a day on which we are called to gather together. God made a day for us to set aside and and worship him and pray and sing and hear the gospel and contemplate our lives in his presence. Each of these are rich, amazing blessings that we enjoy on the Lord's day. After God finished his work of creation, he set aside a special day for humanity to rest. Now before we consider uh, two main applications of this passage we need to answer a question that kind of looms over so many people's understanding of this passage. The question is, why do we worship and rest on Sunday instead of Saturday? Uh, And so it's important to address some of these regular questions that people have because it's very clear here in Genesis chapter 2 that the Lord rested on the seventh day, on the Saturday. After all, the word Sabbath means Seven, after all, in Hebrew. They're interchangeable terms. And so according to Jewish custom, it meant that Saturday was the Lord's day, was the day of rest. And nearly all Christians in the world today worship on Sunday. Why is that? Well, the reason is that this is the day of Jesus' resurrection. This is the day where we remember, where we celebrate, where we commemorate that our Lord Jesus, who died on Friday, was raised to life on the first day of the week, on Sunday. And so the fact that the earliest Christians shifted the day of rest from Saturday onto Sunday is actually one of the best evidences of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Um, In Jesus' day, Observing the Sabbath day was arguably the most important indicator of a person's spiritual life. Someone's Sabbath observance was was kind of the super commandment, you might say, that people in the community were expected to, to visibly follow. This was a very serious, very um, um, Kind of sac- it was a sacred day in certainly Jewish culture, and what people did on the Sabbath was, was setting it aside in all kinds of special ways um, and in all kinds of visible ways. It was an important cultural and spiritual day for the Jewish people. 
And so we can't overstate the cultural shift that it required to move the day of rest from Saturday onto Sunday. And for such a change to happen, there had to be some kind of world-changing event, and that event was the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And so those who had seen the risen Christ, um, particularly those who saw him on that, that Sunday, the first Easter, were convinced, and I believe rightly so, that this would now be the day of rest, the day of worship, the day of a celebration and gathering of God's people. So, this means that for nearly all Christians, our day of worship and rest isn't just in response to something that has happened in the past, but our day of worship and rest is the first day of the week in which we are propelled into the week ahead in the power of Christ's resurrection. So today, you rest, not hopefully just because you're exhausted of all that has happened, but because you are centering your life on Christ and preparing for what is to come in the week ahead, to serve Christ well. As one who has now rested in the presence of God, you are equipped by the power of God to go and serve Him and work for Him and go about the week's activities ahead. So God's rest on the Sabbath was a rest of satisfaction and enjoyment of his creation. It was not a rest of exhaustion, as we know God cannot change, and so this means that, uh, that, that God the Father certainly cannot become tired or exhausted, and so his rest was one of satisfaction and enjoyment of the creation that he had made. It can be the same today for the Christian, that our rest can be one of enjoyment of the presence of God, of communion with God, which we'll celebrate in a few moments, that, that these are moments where God replenishes our souls, where he renews us through the Spirit so that what is ahead we can do in the resurrection power of Christ. So to learn more about this passage and to, to think about it um, accurately, we can pay close attention to verse 3, which gives two little descriptions of the Sabbath day, and this will really be the, the, uh, the other parts of the sermon this morning. We can focus on how God describes the Sabbath day, and verse 3 says, So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. And so you see there, our, our first focus will be on how God blessed the day. Just as God's first action towards Adam and Eve when he created them, remember what the first thing God says, and God blessed them. And then he gave them instructions for, for how to live and what to do. It's the same thing with the Sabbath as well, that God begins with blessing the day. He blessed the Sabbath day. It was a good day. And we don't need to overthink this matter. We can see many ways that people who keep the Sabbath are blessed by God. That if this is a routine that you incorporate into your life, that you perhaps will make other sacrifices to, to keep the Lord's day, that you will receive blessing from God. That it's a promise of God. And it starts with spiritual blessing. That the blessings that you would receive on the Lord's day, certainly every day of the week, but especially on what the catechism calls the festive day of worship. 
that you would receive spiritual blessings on this day, of, of recentering your life today on Christ. That hopefully that's happening every day that you would wake up and say, I belong to God through Christ Jesus and I'm going to live the rest of this day in the strength of Christ. And hopefully that happens especially on the Lord's Day where we recenter our identities on Christ, on belonging to him, on the forgiveness of sins that we receive through Christ, on hearing the gospel, the message of the cross and of the resurrection of Jesus. These are spiritual blessings we receive every Lord's Day. You also receive the spiritual blessing of fellowship as you gather together with other believers. What an encouragement and what a, a privilege in many ways it is that we can gather in freedom to encourage one another, to share conversation, to give hugs and to shake hands and to even share in the sacrament like communion today to receive the spiritual blessing of fellowship is one that God provides for us on the Lord's Day. And there are many other spiritual blessings as well. We're blessed as we give our offerings to the Lord for what God is doing in our church and in our community. We're blessed in so many ways and, um, and we need not overcomplicate the simple promise of God that it is a blessed day and those who keep the day will be blessed. But we could consider the, even the physical and mental blessings that come from keeping the Lord's day, from keeping it holy and remembering that it is a blessed day. The Sabbath reminds us that you are not a machine, that you are not a person with limitless energy, like certainly God has, limitless power, limitless energy, but that you are a person who is going to need rest. And so with the Sabbath, we have incorporated into our lives a routine and a rhythm even of physical rest, that your body needs rest, your mind needs rest. If you're able to stop for one whole day each week and rest, it shows that you trust in the Lord for your physical and mental health. And this is a blessing that the one who keeps the Sabbath receives, is physical and mental rest. Even before the fall into sin, God recognized that humanity was not limitless and that we um, would need rest at times. We need a routine in which we work, um, as the fourth commandment later teaches, six days you shall labor, and so within that is the command to work, to be productive in your life, and the seventh is a Sabbath to the Lord, and so you'll need also a time of rest. But if you work nonstop, brothers and sisters, it will catch up to you. If you work nonstop, it will catch up to you physically, and your body will break down. If you work nonstop, it will catch up to you mentally and emotionally. And I've even seen sad scenarios of mental breakdown, of burnout, among those who neglect this practice of keeping the Lord's Day. But if you're able to rest during the most difficult and stressful seasons of your life, God will bless you as you go about your work the remainder of the week. It's an amazing blessing that it begins with the spiritual blessing of being renewed, having your soul renewed in the presence of God, but from that flows even a mental and spiritual blessing of being more productive during the rest of your week. So part of the mental or emotional value of keeping the Sabbath is 
also enjoying fellowship in the church. What a, um, a great blessing it is to gather. Didn't we learn that through the COVID-19 pandemic? Didn't we recognize, hopefully, through the pandemic, that we are, we are not just machines that just need food and water and to be kept physically safe from diseases, but that we need fellowship with other people, especially for those who are recovering from addictions, who are struggling through life, who, who are working hard, who maybe are, are at home with children all during the course of the week, and, and you need to come into a place and receive the blessing of fellowship, of uh, encouragement from your brothers and sisters in Christ. Didn't we see during that time, as our, our gatherings were limited, how much of a blessing it actually is that we would keep the Lord's Day and gather together on it? The next blessing that we receive is the philosophical blessing or value of the Sabbath. And so I'm not going to get too theological here, but um, suffice it to say that it is good for us, it is good for every person, to pause and think about your life for one day a week. For those who don't keep the Lord's Day, who go through the course of the, the week, maybe the five-day work week and then two days on a weekend, such people could go months, years, even decades without stopping to think, am I doing this right? Where, where is, what are my desires? Are they good desires or, or is it all pulling me in the wrong direction? And so there is a philosophical value to stopping to think about your life every week. Of course, um, as John Calvin wrote, this should be happening every day, but the Sabbath is a routine that is incorporated, I would say, could be especially helpful for those who don't keep this routine during the course of the week that, that we're going to stop, and just as we've already done in the worship service, we're going to think about our sin for a little bit. We're going to say to God, we're sinners and we've sinned against you, God. Repair our souls. Help us. Renew us in Christ. And, and if you're not keeping the Lord's Day, you could go days, months, years, and even decades without saying a simple prayer like that. I confess my sin before you, God. I need your help. I need your grace. I need for you to put me back on the right track. Together, on the Lord's Day, in worship, we work our way through various matters concerning your life. We talk about what's happening with our consciences. There's something that's just eating away at your conscience. On the Lord's Day, you have the opportunity to look at God's Word that you might know what it is that is causing you to feel guilt or shame. And so that gets to the philosophical value of the Sabbath. That that's a, It's a time of examination of your life. And that's really a great blessing. It might not be what people would be excited to do every Lord's Day, but that's the work that we need to do if we're going to follow Christ well. On the Lord's Day, we gather, we think about how to parent in God's way, how to work in a way that pleases God, what thoughts we might have that are sinful and what thoughts God calls us to, to dwell on, whatever is good and true and pure and noble and praiseworthy. That's what we want to fill our minds with on the Lord's Day so that we can live that way the rest of the week as well. We need to stop and do this introspection. We need to pause 
to quiet our minds, to, to stop, to listen if we're going to do this well. We need to think, what is God's standard for my life? We all need God's word speaking into our lives to challenge us and to encourage us. And if we don't incorporate the word of God into our daily lives, and especially into our Lord's Day worship, we will live in confusion as, what is, as to what is the right standard for us to live by. And so again, on the Lord's Day, we recenter our lives not just on our identity in Christ, but on the teaching of the word of God. And so it's, it's every Lord's Day, we get together and we say, this is the standard right here, the word of God. And this is what we're going to live by. We're going to commit to that. And again, if you neglect uh, Lord's Day worship, you could go months, years, decades without making that, that proclamation, maybe not even with your words, but in your heart, to say, I'm going to search the scriptures and know what God's word says and live by what he says I should do. And so that gets to the, the philosophical blessing, that one of the ways God blesses his people on the Sabbath is giving us time to evaluate our lives, to measure our lives according to his word. And that is a blessing. It is a blessing for us in a world of so much confusion about how to live, that God would give us a day where he would teach us what to believe, how to live, how to form our lives more into the likeness of Jesus. And so we, we begin with thinking about all the ways that God blesses us on this day, and we can move forward into the rest of the verse. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. So not only do we receive blessing by keeping the Sabbath, but we are called to keep it holy. Is the Lord's day holy to you? Something that is holy is set apart for a special spiritual purpose. So are you keeping the Sabbath day holy? Have you set it aside for a special spiritual purpose? The Lord's day is set aside for worship, for Christian fellowship, for rest. And the act of setting it apart from the other days will require sacrifices. We could think of a person who is very holy. And that is a person who is kind of set apart from just the, the, the trends of society. That person is, um, is an example of how to live for Christ. And we could think of the Sabbath in that same kind of way, that it's, it's a day that's set apart from the rest of the days of the week, that it is a, a holy day. If we think of the more likely error in our culture today, would you say that it is that people don't consider the Sabbath a blessing and so they turn it into kind of a legalistic keeping of the law? Or would the more likely error be that people have forgotten the holiness of the Sabbath day and it's just like every other day of the week? I'd say it's probably option number two in our culture, isn't it? In previous generations, there could have been the error of forgetting the blessedness of the day so that the Sabbath just became about not mowing your lawn, you know, not going swimming or playing baseball when you were a kid or riding your bike. I've heard that story from some of the older folks in our church. That the Sabbath um, 
it could have almost forgotten the blessedness of the day, that, th that we weren't created for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath was made for us on which to be blessed by God. That's the teaching of Jesus. So that could have been one of the errors of previous generations, what is called Sabbatarianism, a legalism about keeping the Sabbath. But the pendulum has swung far to the other side so that the, the more likely error today concerns the second description of Genesis 2, verse 3, that it is a holy day, and so many have forgotten this. It's a day to be set apart, to be regarded as sacred, to be protected. It's a day that is different. Not just another weekend day, not just half of the weekend, but it's a day of worship, of rest, of gathering, a day where we focus on the Lord. You know, even among people who could attend church regularly on Sunday, this could still be a struggle, and, and here's how I think that can look sometimes. It's possible that, that many would regard Sunday morning as a time that we devote to the Lord. They would regard that as holy. They would keep that tradition of going to church Sunday morning, and then the rest of the day is just theirs. And so it's almost as if walking outside of a church or even turning off the live stream after the worship service is done, oh, got, got that spiritual stuff done for today, kept the Sabbath day, and now I get to go do whatever I want for the rest of the day. But it's so clear here in Genesis 2 and the fourth commandment and the teaching of the scriptures that it's a day unto the Lord, that we're blessed when we keep the day a holy day and not just a holy morning. All of this is so wonderfully summarized in the teaching of Isaiah 58, which perfectly blends the blessedness of the day and the call to keep the day holy. Isaiah 58, 13, and 14, one of my favorite passages about the Sabbath in the whole Bible. If you, here's a promise from God. God keeps all his promises. Listen to this promise. If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath, and from doing as you please on my holy day. If you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honorable, right? There's the blessing of it. If it is a delight to you to be in the Lord's house on Sunday, if it is a delight to you to rest, to spend time with your family, to read devotions together, to sing worship songs together as a family, if all of this is a delight to you, and if you honor it by not going your own way and doing as you please and speaking idle words, then you will find your joy in the Lord. That's God's promise. You will find joy. And you will. You will find joy in the Lord. And I will cause you to ride on the heights of the land and to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob. The mouth of the Lord has spoken. And so there it is, to keep the Sabbath day holy will result in not just the honor of God in our lives, but the blessing of us, the people of God, that we would find joy in the Lord. Brothers and sisters, God did not rest on the Sabbath day because he was tired. He rested to enjoy his work of creation. He delighted in it. And he rested to teach us how to structure our week. To illustrate God's resting on the Sabbath day, we could think maybe of an artist tracing a picture to teach a child how to draw. 
you can imagine a scenario where um, a great artist is sitting down with a child and the child says, would you teach me to draw? And, and a picture is, is put um, underneath a piece of white paper and that artist traces over the picture beneath to show the child how to trace a picture. That artist doesn't need to trace the picture, but he's teaching the child how to draw. And so this is what God is doing by resting on the Sabbath day. He doesn't have to rest. God wasn't exhausted from his work of creation, but he was teaching us how to rest, how to structure our weeks in a way that pleases him. He was resting to teach humanity how to keep that routine in our lives. Eric Little, that runner from Scotland, he didn't refuse to run on the Lord's Day because he knew he would be tired. He didn't refuse to run in that race because he knew that he would be really tired on that day and it would be good for him to rest on that day. He did so on principle. The principle that he knew that keeping the, whole, the Lord's holy day, that delighting in it, would be of greater benefit to him than going with the flow of the surrounding culture. And in doing that, little would have been blessed in the presence of God. So brothers and sisters, I hope that you will allow me this morning to be very direct with you and very pointed in my challenge this morning to keep Sunday a blessed and holy day, to do everything in your power to avoid working, And I know there are farmers and nurses and people who work in the medical profession who certainly at times are required to work on the Lord's Day. And there's qualifications for that in, in God's Word itself after the giving of the fourth commandment, that this is permissible, but to do everything in your power and to be relentless in keeping this day holy so that you would be blessed, so that God would be blessed in the course of your week. This isn't just about keeping an arbitrary commandment. It's about prioritizing God as the center of your life. Prioritizing God as the center for your schedule. Those who honor him in his way, he will honor. That promise that was made to Eric Little before that race was fulfilled in Eric Little's life. The promise that is made to us when we keep the Lord's day, when we rest on it, when we worship, will be fulfilled in your life. God will not be mocked. Those who reap will sow what God had promised. If you have a job that requires you to work Sunday, it is understandable that in certain seasons you will work, but I encourage you to do everything in your power to guard this day, to keep it as a day of worship, rest, of gathering together with the saints. Now, we don't have many stories of Jesus as a boy, just as I close. But one of the stories we have teaches about the delight of the Lord's day, of being in God's presence. You might recall the story where Jesus is separated from his family. They've gone into Jerusalem for a festival, and his family has departed from Jerusalem to go back home, and they realize, it seems like they're about halfway home, where is Jesus? You know, this moment of panic that parents, I would guess, have felt at times if you're in a theme park or a busy place. Where is my child? And this is what happens in, for Mary and Joseph. And they've realized that Jesus isn't with their group, and so they go frantically searching about the city of Jerusalem. And of course, they find him in the temple. 
And when they encounter our Lord as a child, he says something so wonderful and so helpful for our understanding of Genesis chapter 2. He says to his parents, didn't you know that I would be in my father's house? Didn't you know that that's the place where he would be, where he would want to be with the father, even teaching the, the scribes and the teachers of the law, opening up their minds to who the father is, that that's where Jesus wanted to be even as a child. And that will be the heart's desire of a Christian, to be in worship with the people of God. It's better than a gold medal. It's better than a pay raise. It's better than an extra $200 on your paycheck. To be in the presence of God. To enjoy communion with God. To come into the presence of the people of God and even of God himself to hear the word of God better than anything in this world. And so we should say like Jesus, didn't you know where I would be? I want to be in the Father's house. Brothers and sisters, on God's day, we rest. On God's day, we recenter our lives on our identity as Christians. On God's day, we remember we are God's people by virtue of the work of Christ. Amen. Let's pray.